Do you ever think about moving somewhere else, like maybe Orlando to go like become Utah? the Magic? Utah, I, maybe? I don't want to go to Mickey Mouse uh, world. Uh, yeah. Oh. I, okay. Now we're enemies. Welcome back to another episode of the Water Boys Podcast, a member of the Crossing Broad Podcast Network. I am Coach Gary, joined as always by Mr. Kyle Pagan. But before we get into today's show, let's talk betting, and specifically our friends at PointsBet. Kyle, tell our buddies about PointsBet. Listen, I'm going to steal your thunder right here. We have Kyle Newbeck on the pod. We talk a lot about Embiid potentially getting the MVP award. I think right now he's going off at 750 plus 750 or seven to one right around there. Um, take all your free points bet money mm-hmm. that we're, that you get if you're in Jersey, Indiana, Michigan, and Illinois and put it on Joel Embiid to win the MVP. What's in, damn oh. it. I was going to, I was going to say, and what's the odds coming off at is I, I get stuck in this all the time where I just don't pay attention to you talking about odds. Do you just not, do you, do you pay attention to me in general? Or do you just pay attention to me? I pay attention. I, it's like whenever you start talking odds, I'm like, I'm like, I wonder how much money would that be? But what you should do, Whatever those odds are, go to www.pointsbet.com, enter promo code WATERBOYS, that's W-O-O-D-E-R-B-O-Y-S, up to a $250 match. If you have a gambling problem, call 1-800-GAMBLER one more time, that's pointsbet.com or the app, only available in New Jersey, promo code WATERBOYS, W-O-O-D-E-R-B-O-Y-S. I don't really think, I mean, you already kind of stole my thunder, so let's go ahead and Mm -hmm. just kick it directly to Kyle Newback. All right, we're joined here by Sixers reporter for the Philly Voice, Kyle Newbeck. Kyle, thanks for joining. What's up, gentlemen? How are we doing today? Uh, we're doing well, but the one thing I want to thank you for is I regurgitate every single article, all the <laughs> info in it that you write. I'm not even guessing you up, but it just makes me sound smarter because, you know, listen, 10 o'clock came around last night. Sixers are playing the Kings, recording this on a Wednesday, uh, released for Friday. I didn't say up. You, right. that's that's your right. You're a, you're a fan. You you just want to you know have your normal sleep schedule. I'm more of a vampire, so that's what I'm mm. here for is to watch the games that you don't want to. So, are you Sixers in bed or are you on oh, the couch no, no, watching? No, no. no I'm. Uh, I so I have actually I moved into a new apartment during the middle of a pandemic, which. No, Want to give your address idea. out? Or? <laughs> no, <and laughs> okay. I, I did it without movers and without any. Okay. So that was, you know, that smart move. My girlfriend did did help, did a lot of help. So I, I yeah. can, uh, can't leave that out or she would probably throw a shit fit. But I have my own office now in the new apartment mm-hmm. we moved into. So I'm at the desk with, I got a couple monitors here, Twitter on one screen, my writing yeah. on the other, and then TV over there behind the desk. It's got to be kind of nice, though, because like Sixers Twitter isn't really as on, well, is not as on fire as Eagles Twitter is right now, because, you know, we've got a first place team going on. And it's like you you would think we're the worst team. We're back into like the 2011, 2012 years right now, the way Eagles conversation is just dominating the stratosphere of Philly sports. Is that like, is that good? Do you enjoy that? That like not everything you say is poked and prodded and you don't have to fight people like like all the beat reporters on the Eagles have to right now? It's a good question. You know, I obviously I it's just as a matter of business sense, I want as many people reading me as possible and following me and all that stuff. But, you know, there is something to be said for I just think about like, I guess I started really gaining traction covering the team during the like process years Mm -hmm. when I'm still like blogging, basically. 
Um, and back then it was, you know, you sort of knew everybody to an extent on Twitter and, and on, uh, even in our like comment sections and all that too. Right. Like it's just a, a smaller community. And then as it grows and grows and grows and it becomes popular for reasons, good and bad, you just have people that are coming in from left field who don't have any kind of personal connection with you. I would Mm -hmm. say it's similar to just how the internet has changed things generally. Like you just have a lot of people shouting at strangers all the time with no real track record. Um, So I'm hoping that, you know, basketball is always going to be smaller than football. That's just, you know, how it goes. Do you, Um, so I'm hoping that helps, but you never know. Yeah. Do you ever like, obviously if you can remember this, like you're at a bar or you're somewhere in public, did you ever get stopped? Like, does anyone ever stop you on the street? I don't know if you ever lived in Philadelphia or, or I, around the yes. surrounding areas. It's mostly been the last, let's say two years or so. Yeah. And I think a big reason behind, like my friends always crack up when it happens. It's Do like, people try to like debate you and, and stuff like that? Like, No, it's mostly, it's like very friendly kind of stuff. Okay. It's people coming <clears throat> up. I'm not, cause I think part of it is, it's not like, um, and no disrespect to him, but like Elliot Shore Parks where I'm just like <laughs> throwing out takes left and right and pissing people off. Yeah. It's people that just come up and are like, Hey man, I'm a really big fan of your work. And I think a big reason for it is uh, it's because I'm at bars where it's like the general demographic is like, you know, late twenties, early thirties people. And Mm -hmm. you know, I'm in that demo. So there's a lot of people that we just are going to end up in the same places. Mm -hmm. So they know my work and it's, there's some overlap there. So, you know, it's nice that people like my work enough to come up and say that, but it's not like I'm uh, Johnny airport, John Clark or everywhere I go. Has anyone ever (laughs) debated you though? Like, has anyone ever come up like, listen, man, I can't believe you thought Sarge or Covington should have been on this team. No, I've never gotten an angry, like, here's what I say. I never got an angry one. It's mostly like, Hey, I love your work. And then it gets to maybe if they offer it, I've had a couple people offer like buy me drinks or whatever. And then, so then you like converse with them a little bit. Then they say, well, I didn't agree with you on this one. <laughs> yeah. There you go. You know, they get their feedback, but it's, it's never been, I'm fortunate that it's not been a malicious thing. It's just, Hey man, I like your stuff, but I want to talk to you about this and why I, and look, my job is to be a conduit to fans and, yeah you know, think about the things they think about and ask the questions they want to ask. So that I, I'm happy to hear when they disagree with me, as long as it's not being disrespectful. Now, can you assign a time value? Um, like if I buy you a beer, how much time do I buy to get the top <laughs> six? I don't, I guess it would depend on the beer. Like if you're right. buying me a, a Bud Light. Like I'm going to buy you a you know. Guinness because I feel like it would buy me the most amount of time. Right, if you buy me a nice beer. Or Kenwood, yeah. Yeah, like whatever, whatever <laughs> it might be. That maybe there's some hard having a beer sponsor when you don't think about it. (laughs) So, yeah, I mean, so if you're out there listening right now, you see Kyle when we get back to normal in a bar, you buy him a craft beer, you might buy like seven minutes, you buy him like some some shitty Bud Light, you might get like three minutes out of him. You might get 2023, remember that. (laughs) Actually, have you ever considered like, so like, say, like, I think this would be really funny if you did this. Someone's like, hey, can I buy you a beer? They buy you a Guinness and you just rip it and be like, great, thanks, bye, and just walk (laughs) out. Do you think you would just be hated for that? Or do you think that guy would respect you? I would, no, I would that's respect a, you. Look, oh, listen, I think that would be hilarious. It would be funny, but I'm just, I, I'm not that type of person. Yeah, you don't I seem like that type of guy. You seem like a real nice guy. I don't think I could do that either. Although I don't think I'd ever get noticed at a bar. I would love that. Um, are you mad that Arch stole your, Brian Archidiakono stole your haircut from, uh, I saw the, for anyone that doesn't know, 
the uh, the long hair with the with oh the yeah that I have had. it so I have never I've, I shouldn't say never I had long hair in high school where it was like everybody I knew had long hair at some point yeah. where my hair was like down to here oh, okay and my it chemical is, romance for yeah, yeah. <laughs> a little doctor for conventional <laughs> yeah. kind of it wasn't even like that it's not like I was into <laughs> super into emo music or anything it was just like laziness more than anything. And now the pandemic hit and I started growing it out and it just kept going and going. And it's like, well, now I can just tie it back and I look like semi-professional. But there were, luckily, I wasn't seen for a while and would just kind of hold up in the apartment because uh, I, you guys, I guess, wouldn't know this. It seems like you have put together haircuts. It's uh, There are some rough stages when you're growing your hair out. <laughs> well, let me tell you, I used to be able to grow my hair out. I have to wear a hat every day because of how much I have a widow's peak nowadays. It's a tough look for the hairline over here. Um, I tried to grow a beard for the first two weeks of quarantine, and I just, I've just i been trying to grow this thing for 28 years, so it's, it doesn't really <laughs> – doesn't work. It's never worked out. But you, do you still have it? I can't see right now. Do you still I have, have the, the – Oh, yeah. Oh, there it is. Yeah, man. Well, Samurai. You look like Tom Cruise from uh, The Last Samurai. Yeah, weird how they made a white guy the last samurai. What a what a strange. <laughs> they <laughs> give credit the to twist him. you never saw. They've gotten better. <laughs> They've gotten better over the last 15, 20 years, kind of. Let's make um, a movie called The Last Samurai, starring starring Tom Cruise. <laughs> <laughs> um, so obviously, you guys are you know reporting from the Wells Fargo Center. Do you physically go down there? Yes, and okay. I will say. I, transparently there have been nights where i'm like am i really gonna go watch like Mm -hmm. the portland game great example am i really gonna go watch them play without lillard and mccollum and even Mm -hmm. nurkic on top of that (laughs) um but yeah we go down there but the the weird thing is i don't know if you guys or your listeners know this we don't we still are doing zoom for post-game stuff so even though i'm physically in the arena we so we sit where fans sit we're in like the 100 level section with a bunch of tables spread out all over the place um and after the game they send us out to the concourse and there are tables out there and we just zoom from tables right by like shake shack so (laughs) it's just a strange i could effectively do everything i do from From home. home it's like road games and home games are no different other than the fact that i get to go to the game and you do get to see like little interactions on the bench and during timeouts and stuff like that. But that's the bulk of what I'm gaining from being there, which is much different than when you're going to a game as a reporter during normal times. Does anything stick out to you except for um, other than, excuse me, Tobias Harris and, and Joel Embiid rapping computer? I I love that. First yeah. of all, I was disappointed I didn't get the uh, the inaugural edition of that. But the second one that I did post on Twitter has been great. Yeah. Um, there's a lot of stuff like Dwight Howard walks onto the floor and he's like raising the roof and doing all <laughs> kinds of crazy shit. Uh, Danny Green is a huge fan of I'm blanking on the name of the song. Uh, crazy Story 2.0 by uh, King Von. And okay. Yeah. I forget. That is a good song. Guy. Rest in peace, King Von, by the way. Yeah. Um, he knows all of King Von's verse on that. And like, when he says chopper in the song, Danny pulls out like a fake gun and starts shooting it. And he, uh, there's a line where he's like, the way I push the whip and he's going like this on the court. I had to, the problem is he does it as he's in the middle of like a shooting routine pregame. Yeah. So it's intermittent and he goes in and out of it. But as soon as he hears the instrumental, any conversation he has with a, another player on the team is just, it's done. It it's ceases. Yeah. That's awesome, though, because I feel like Dwight Howard and Danny Green 
I didn't expect how much of a, like how much they were going to bring like energy wise to the, the Sixers this year. Cause like Danny Green, he's had a great career. Dwight Howard's had a great career, but Dwight's gone everywhere where it was like, it was hit or miss. It was like, is he going to be childlike Dwight? Yeah. Is he going to be weird in the locker room? He's like perfect for this team. Do you think those two coming from the Lakers are kind of a catalyst to why the Sixers have started the way they started this year? I think it's part of it for sure. Like Danny has always kind of been this guy. He's a big culture, like serial winner, even dating back to college because yeah. in North Carolina, they were good the entire time he was there. San Antonio, great culture program there. He learns from, you know, Duncan, Ginobili Parker, et cetera. And I think he like he's just one of those guys that he goes places and he's successful. He does things the right way. And he understands you know, the value of being a teammate. And that's not just what he's doing on the floor, but just being positive away from the floor, knowing when to push back on guys like, hey, you're you're bullshitting today. Mm-hmm. You're putting in bad effort. We need more from you. Dwight has been the much bigger surprise. And it, it certainly seems like that year in LA last year changed him. And I, maybe that's not true. I, like, I'm sure that changed him a little bit, but it was also like he's reaching – the end of his rope when he signed with LA. And well, I, I think, think he's, he's also conscious of that now. He's with LeBron. He's with Anthony Davis, two consummate professionals and whatnot. And then yeah. you go to, I mean, he was with Atlanta on a young team that really had nobody. He was with uh, James Harden, say what you want about him, but I don't think I'm looking at James Harden as, as my leader anytime soon. So I think you're kind of right where it's like, he did kind of, which is scary. Like his like 12th year in the league become like a, a mature adult. Really? Yeah, I, I think it's just a matter of him finally understanding because, you know, he wanted to post up constantly when mm-hmm. he was younger. And that was a thing he wasn't especially good at. He was a great pick and roll lob guy and playing with James Harden. That was like a match made in heaven if you're just looking at it on paper. But Dwight mentally, it was like, no, I still want to be like the guy. And when yeah. you're the guy, you get to do what you want to do. And that's actually something that I think Joel has adapted well this year like we can talk about you know he's just been better at everything but some of it is also that he's bought into you know I'm going to be more involved in pick and rolls and handoffs and I'm going to shoot these jumpers on the roll from Seth Curry and Tobias and what have you and he sees that if I'm engaged in those sets with those guys I make them better but they can also find me easier looks rather than him just having to beat somebody in the post 35 times a game. Mm-hmm. Now, speaking of some of the guys that they brought in, do you think this team has enough right now to be competing in the East, or do you think there's still a couple pieces away? I think there's still one or two guys away. I still think they're going to need – like, I like Shake Milton. I like Tyrese Maxey, even though he's out of the rotation. Yeah. I don't know that those are guys I trust as, like – you know, they got to turn the bench over to this person in the playoffs and have them go out and – get buckets. Now, some of that is predicated on the fact that Doc has played these all bench or mostly bench lineups in the regular season that maybe we see them disappear. And there's not as much on Shake's shoulders or Maxi's shoulders if he's back in the rotation. I also think they need, and part of this is because I'm not a big Mike Scott guy. Part of this is because they teach has been hurt on top mm-hmm. of that. They need some kind of forward and really uh, like hybrid four or five that can shoot because I think number one, you need somebody who's going to eat those minutes with Scott out right now. Number two, I think they've tried to play these small looks with uh, Ben Simmons. I would love to see those with 
another shooter out there instead of like the backup groups with Dwight are fine for what they are. Mm -hmm. He's going to be hit or miss from night to night. He's, he just kind of is who he is as a player, but if you can supercharge those groups on offense, so there are nights where, you know, Dwight's not going to have it. You can throw a different look at teams. I think that's something that, you know, I don't know how much use that would get in the playoffs, but I think that would help them win some more games during who, the regular season. Who would that be? You think you go after PJ Tucker? I know you wrote about Laurie Market in a little bit in your article. Um, I think it was this week, the mailbag that you wrote about. Yeah. Is that the kind of stretch four you're looking at? I know Laurie Market and he would probably cost a little bit more. Is he on a contract year? He, I believe he's on a contract here. He's still and in I, Chicago, like, I don't think. Yeah. Yes, he's in Chicago. I, I think a more realistic one, like Tucker, I think is gettable. I think somebody like Bielitsa is probably gettable, and hmm. he's not a guy that I trust in the playoffs pretty much at all. This but city would just, fall in love with PJ Tucker. Well, oh yeah, I mean he's having a really bad year this yeah. year. Like I, I don't have his numbers in front of me. But he's only averaging like four points a game. Right, and I think his shooting numbers are all down, and some of that's like you know when you go from playing with James Harden, who's creating corner three after corner three after corner three for you, and then it's more of it's a just a different team. Once he leaves, I think that has an impact on it. But I think that's the sort of guy I would look at. Someone that he's gettable. You're not necessarily banking on him as a long-term person. Because that's the problem with marketing. I think marketing, if you trade for him, you're going to have to give up enough because he's he's got some value. Mm-hmm. But then you also have to be willing to commit to him financially yeah. after this year. And that's not something I think that they should be doing right now. Now, what about a guy, and I, I don't know if this would ever work financially, but like is Kevin Love, would that even be a possibility? I think that would have been a possibility if Tobias had come out and sucked, basically. Like okay. if they if they had just said, you know, we want to dump Tobias's contract and we'll swap it out for a shorter one and what, what have you. But I think the reason I would focus on guys like Tucker and Bielitsa and like the bench type, like – top of the bench type guys maybe can like spot start if you really need them to is because I don't think it's a position where they should be giving up major assets for. If you could get a creator, like a, a guard or a wing playmaker that can also stretch the floor, defend, whatever, then I'd say, yeah, go out and, you know, that's where you shop more toward the top of the market. Cause those guys tend to be more of difference makers on their own. I just, I, I just think this is a depth piece that they mm-hmm. need is a guy like that. So this is this is obviously Joel Embiid's best year he's ever had in the league. It's probably his closest shot. He's it's definitely his closest shot he's ever had to MVP. Is this a go for it year? Because I mean, I just feel like there's so much that we just don't know about the future. And you can say that with anybody, but for a guy who I get worried about, seven footer, you know, feet, knees, back, he's already missed a couple games, hamstrings. Is this a go for a year? Or do you think we do have maybe two, three, maybe even five years left of this that we don't have to mortgage the farm for this year? I think then Daryl Morey's philosophy is, he's been on the record about this. If you have, what's his quote? I think it's if you have a 10% chance to win a title, you basically have a responsibility to go for it. I, okay. I don't want to say an obligation because it, it always is going to depend on I think, and to some degree, rightfully so, there are going to be a lot of teams that look at this year and say, you know, there are no fans. It's a different environment, similar to, it's not the same as the bubble, but it's similar to the bubble in that, you know, a team that might have lost in a series where the other team had home court advantage in a normal year, Mm -hmm. they might not be afraid to go to like Boston or LA or wherever it is 
in a game seven, it's like, you know, there's like 2000 people here who cares. So I think a lot of teams are going to be able to convince themselves. Look, if we just have a chance to compete this year, we should go for it. And then that, that collectively drives the price up. And then the flip side of that is sellers think, you know, all these teams believe they have a, at least a credible shot to win a title this year. We're going to, we'll set the asking price really high. And I don't know if it'll ever come down. So it's, we'll see when we get close to the deadline of whether, like whether the market forces say they should or not, but what would you do? I would probably try to get another yeah. playmaker. I just, I, and again, who would that be I, if you, if you off the top of your head? I don't even know, honestly, at this point, because, yeah. um, is Beal gettable, you think, or is that just too much? No, like maybe, maybe, maybe you could get Levine. Yeah. But even okay. then, like, I mean, I don't, I'm not in love with Zach Levine. Like, I think he's a great scorer, but I, I don't trust him on defense at all. And I, I like, I guess you, there is no better environment to try to cover for him than mm-hmm. this one, right? Like Joel's the best or True. one of the best anchors in the back. Ben is the most, probably the most switchable defender in the league from the perimeter right now. But, but do you think you can get Levine without giving up Ben? That's the thing. It's like, I, I don't think, and that's why, why I circle back to the, you know, what's the cost because right. I don't think they're going to give him up for, you know, like yeah. Danny green, your bench guards and picks. Like I just, I don't think that's going to happen. And it's hard to make it happen it's hard to make it happen financially without one of the stars. Mm-hmm. And it's hard to make it happen from an asset perspective without one of the stars. It just doesn't really make a whole lot of sense. I'll give you four guys and, and tell me one of these guys that would potentially push them over to a championship contender, or even, I guess, to get to the finals. I got Kyle Lowry, Lou Will, PJ Tucker, Laurie, marketing. I'm a big Kyle Lowry fan, and I okay. think he would be – great here you know obviously philly guy and all that so to be awesome to be a great story on top of everything else but i think that's a guy that is not going to be as expensive he's certainly not going to be as expensive as beal or levine Mm -hmm. and those type of guys he's still a defensive-minded player that'll fit into that culture he'll give you somebody that you know when ben joel tobias are off the floor he can you have no problem turning the offense over to him and someone like shake can settle into more of a, you know, cause last year when he shot 40, whatever percent from three, that a, a lot of that was with him playing off guard and not as like a playmaker. And I think you've part of the reason I think he's regressed as a shooter is because the ball's in his hands more. He's taken more for pull up jumpers and he's trying to create for everybody else. I think if they can lean into him more as a shooter rather than as a playmaker, it'll help him. And then that helps the rest of the group. So I, I think Lowry would be a great get. I don't know if Toronto is going to end up trading him. There have been some rumors, but he's like, it sounds weird to say, cause it's not like Kyle Lowry is like a, all-time great player but he's like a franchise legend there like i don't mm-hmm. know if they just want to trade him for, for yeah. enough i mean they stink like very little no, they do kind of stink right now <laughs> i did want to ask this because it this this i guess it's probably the most uh polarizing question on what goes on with the sixers where do you like what do you see ben simmons's ceiling really as like are we is he going to be one of these guys where it's like hey he's never going to be a i'm going to fill up the stat sheet with points but i'm going to give you basically this nitty-gritty performance that Maybe you don't see 
as like, you know, the ESPN top 10 reel, but like, where do you kind of see him like in the future? Because I, he drives me insane, but I feel like he's one of those guys <laughs> where it's like behind the scenes, like advanced not stat behind guy. The scenes, but like, it's obviously there's an impact because when yeah. he, when the whole, when the whole offense plays, they win games. I struggle with him a lot. You've right? been hard on him. Yeah. And I, I feel like I, I try to be really fair on him because I, as you bring up, I, I think he's a great defender, right? Like he can switch. People say one through five, but Ben cannot play. Center. Gary says he's the best four in the league. Yeah. I, totally I, I would my say take. one he's through four. four he's great. Um, and the fact that they can just kind of move him around and, use him as a chess piece, essentially, it is great. Like, that's going to be really valuable when you play. Like, let's say they play the Celtics in the playoffs. And, you know, maybe Jason Tatum is going off. They can have him on him. Well, now Kemba Walker's going off. Okay, we'll switch you on to him. Like, he, the fact that you can do that with a guy who also is creating so many open threes for other players is – he's a really valuable player. The problem for me is that I think – the initial conversation about him was very harmful. And I was like the first part where he's getting compared to magic Johnson and LeBron mm-hmm. and all that stuff. Like that set the bar really high. Yeah, it did. And then it swung back the other way to, you know, the shoot a three, you coward stuff that like Celtics fans <laughs> yeah, initiated. Right. And there were these two extremely opposite poles that were really far away from each other. And there's never been, we've never been able to center the conversation. Like I think he's a, let's say he's like a top 20 player, top 25 player somewhere in that range right now. I think based on his two way impact, that's probably fair to him because he's, you know, he's an all-star. I think last year he was all NBA, which theoretically is the 15 best players in the league. But I think most of that was guys were hurt. And so he got bumped onto a team he didn't deserve. I think the thing that needs to happen more than him shooting threes is he's got to get to the line more and he's got to commit to actually getting to the rim rather than I hate, I cannot stand just as like a neutral observer. I can't stand seeing him. He'll stop and pick up his dribble at the free throw line. And he's in no man's land. He's throwing these like 180 passes in midair and getting trapped and, and like, when he commits to getting to the rim, I don't care. Like when he gets <laughs> offensive fouls or he misses a layup or whatever happens, I'd like that stuff doesn't bother me. It's when a guy who's six ten and is built like a fucking ox yeah. is like not going through somebody like Grayson Allen. It's like, what are you doing, man? Just like use the tools tripped. you have at your disposal. So this is the most animated you got. So if you're listening out there, you can buy <laughs> yeah. Kyle a beer. Just tell him Ben Simmons sucks and you got about 15 minutes with him. Right. Like, look, I think he's a very good player. Do I think he's ever going to be like, I don't think he's ever going to be at the level that Joel Embiid is now. And I think that's what people have wanted for him. I think there have been stretches where people think and say, you know, he's the best and most important player on the team. I I have been against that since the very first time (laughs) that it was said, but you know, it's always going to be the the grass is always greener thing. The, the, the ceiling, his ceiling is out there. If he can, if he can just do this, if he can just do that. If by now he hasn't fundamentally changed who he is, he can get better. But he's not going to be the like top five, mm-hmm. top ten player that people want him to be. So I have to ask this then: Why won't he shoot? 
Like I, I just needed someone to finally answer that question for me. Like why won't why won't he shoot the basketball? I like if you're asking me, I think it's if I had to guess, it's just he doesn't think he's good at it, so he doesn't yeah. do it. And I, I, I think, think he's embarrassed a lot. It's come out that he like he mentally sometimes. Can I don't. I don't want to go too far down like the. Well, the I can. You have to talk to him. I can. I can stuff. go wherever I want. I just think it's a thing where like his. If you just look at how he plays, he doesn't do the things that he's bad at, and that makes him really hard to evaluate. Because mm-hmm. you know, some people will look at that and say, "Look, it's smart. You don't want him just chucking threes because he's not good at it, and he's going to miss a lot of them, whatever." But again this is all about finding the middle ground if you could get him to shoot a couple threes a game when he's open it's not like he doesn't get open looks out there he's totally uncovered vast majority of the time Mm -mm. that's something that will change how teams react to him as long as he does it at a semi-competent level and to me it's mostly about generate contact get to the free throw line that is the number one thing that i've always wanted to see from him was the Brett Brown, Brown comment where he's like, hey, I want you attempting one three a game, like one of the most banana comments you've ever heard a coach say? <laughs> it was really funny. And, you know, what's really hysterical about that now is like people wanted, and rightfully so, like I think last year it showed that they needed a new voice in here. But hiring a new coach was all about we need someone to hold Ben and Joel accountable and blah, blah, blah. And Doc has basically been like, no, I don't give a shit. If he, <laughs> he hasn't said that in so many words, but it's mostly like, yeah, he can, the, I, I'm embracing Ben for who he yeah. is. So, you know, it's just funny how that ends up working out. Yeah. And if no one knew that, I mean, you can look at his, his Clippers teams from last year and when they won the title with Celtics, he's a, he's a player's coach. He let you know, right. get those guys be himself and stuff. It's yeah, just a great Doc thing. is not exactly like a, look, I'll say this. He's definitely, the vibe from the team, or at least what they have yeah. said and projected, is that he's holding them more accountable than Brett did. And, and I, I have no way to dispute that. That certainly seems like if we're just looking at the results and the way they've been able to battle back in games and what have you, certainly seems to have played out that way. So I'm, yeah. I'm not calling them liars. But yeah, Doc, as we have seen over time, is not exactly like Mr. Accountability. Yeah. <laughs> I want to switch up a little bit. Um, you guys have kind of unprecedented access to more executives and and, and maybe Daryl and, and Elton Brand and whatnot. Do you have any um, favorite Daryl stories now that uh, no fans are in the, uh, or in the arena? I saw you tweet the no, other day. It's, yeah. It's just funny. Like it's, I, w- I actually would say we have less access to them really? now. So I'll try to paint a visual picture for you. The way it's set up is we are probably 15 rows off the floor. At least I'm about 15 rows off the floor where I'm sitting and I'm at the lowest possible media seating right in front, like a row or two in front of us, they have, it's like roped off with the sort of things you would see for like lines for like a club or the movie theater Mm. or whatever. Mm. And there's security there and then team personnel. And that's for both the Sixers and whoever is uh, visiting that night. If they have people with them, will kind of, sit throughout that section we are not allowed to go there under any circumstances we have credentials with our color-coded section that we're in and we cannot cross so it's all like i can see daryl and he tends to sit near elton brand who tends to sit near the same people every night and so it's i can see them react during games which is really funny like daryl is really emotional during games which is funny but i wish that i could 
it honestly would be more valuable for me to go sit and like pick his brain about what he thinks during a game than it is to sit there and watch the game itself. Just now, I think I it. might have a suggestion for you. What if you get one of those, you see it on the news right now, like a microphone on like a 45 foot stick and just like start <laughs> trying to hold it over him and be like, Come I on, don't think talk. they would take too kindly to that. What? Well, they didn't say you couldn't do it yeah. though. They didn't, but listen, <laughs> I listen. If they take away my credential, I'm in a lot of trouble. <laughs> hey, well, then you get what you want, and you're covering the game from, from the couch. All right, now here's another idea. You give me a credential, mm-hmm. and I just do it. If I get tossed, no one will care. It's true. Unfortunately, I don't have credentials to just dole out. Well, I my we can be the Philly Vice on that. I don't think they're going to give you a credential either. I'm sorry, boys. I hate to yeah. have the bear bad well, news. Well, not yet anyway. The dream gotta is still, dead. Yeah. Got to still prove. One day, maybe. Maybe. Gary, you got any more questions before we get this final question? No. I'm now I'm just trying to find a way to get better audio out of you just because I want to I want to skate the system here. <laughs> um we got to answer this question. It's it happens with everybody we have on. It's it's uh Wentz or Hurts. Hurts because I don't okay. I don't want to deal with the Wentz uh psychos anymore. And so I'm like I'm not it. it's mo- yeah, this is this is being a media member. I'm much more jaded and it's like, dude, I just don't want to deal with the. So the equivalent to this was the Markel Fultz saga. Okay. When, mm-hmm. they were, when I, cause I was at like the center of a lot of that to some degree with all the videos and reporting and what have you, like as a human being love Markel, he's a mm-hmm. super nice kid. Um, everyone raved about him, hard worker, this and that. I, at a certain point, was just like, I can't do this anymore. Like, I have 55 people in my DMs asking, <laughs> when's the next video? When I would post the video, I'd Damn, have people really? saying, why the fuck are you posting this? Well, then uh, Reddick well, so, is, obviously, he yelled at you guys. Right, for- Reddick. Well, you know, that I get, because that's a mm-hmm. teammate just trying to protect a, a young kid. Like, I I totally understood that part. But the, the Wentz situation has basically reached that point for me, where no matter what stance you take, even if you have a neutral tweet or a neutral article, mm-hmm. you have the people from both sides who are like, well, you need to have a stronger opinion on this. It's like, my opinion is I don't want to have a fucking opinion or have to talk about this anymore. And since he's supposed to make a bajillion dollars over the next however many years, it's probably better to just rip the bandaid off and move on. Like, I don't think, I don't think Jalen Hurts is the guy long-term. So Kyle Lubeck, like he's, he's officially on bring Nick Foles back. Watch that. (laughs) (laughs) Dude, the funniest thing about that is I got, I, I was never, ever a Foles guy, like dating back to yeah. when Vic was the quarterback here. And I wrote an article the Super Bowl year. This was not saying to sign him to be the starter. <laughs> mm. It was to be – I wrote an article. I said the Eagles should sign Colin Kaepernick. And it was not to supplant Nick Foles. It was because I – if you if Foles gets hurt and you have to go to Nate Sudfeld in a year where you have a team that is capable of winning the Super Bowl, I would rather roll the dice on yeah. Kaepernick than fucking Nate Sudfeld. I mean, he's all in week 17. And, well, and I mean, Nate Sudfeld people, has the best deep ball on the team, though. It's true. And all these people jumped in my mentions. Like, oh, yeah. How could you say that? Nick Foles has more experience in the system. I was like, I'm not talking about Nick Foles. Read the fucking article. We're a headline. We're a headline fan base. You you gotta have a better headline. I know you want to get was, the the headline out there, but it was brutal. We only so read headlines. Like I, and I made the the whole case for it. I laid it out pretty clearly, and there were still people who so. 
that's uh, now here's one. Would you sign up for this? I, I, I threw this theory out the other day. We trade Wentz and we also trade Hertz, but in the trade package, we get folds back and we'll draft a quarterback at six. Right. But the first thing Sirianni says, he comes out and he goes, listen, no matter what, no matter how bad he plays, we're going to give Nick Foles 16, 17 games now. We're going to give him 17 games so you guys can finally have him and just make Nick Foles put his money where his mouth is and be like, all right, here we go. Prove it. I would, honestly, I would be fine with it because I would I, love it. It doesn't, it, whether they, I, it sounds weird to say because like I grew up in the area and was mm-hmm. always a big fan my whole life. It's, I don't really care whether they win or lose. It's mostly like how, how miserable does this make people I care about and the fans yeah. who read my work? And like, so when I say I root for, I'm close to, to an insane well, asylum, Kyle. We root for chaos, Kyle. We root right. for chaos. I root for chaos sometimes, but it's mostly okay. like when things are good, people tend to, you know, want to yeah. read about the team, want to talk about the team, which mm-hmm. helps me in my line of work. So like I, I root for success for those reasons, less so than like if Nick Foles came in and they went, Oh, and 16, like it wouldn't impact my, my joy other than Twitter would just be a disaster for yeah. All Could you imagine fall. Elliot Shore Parks being like, well, it's not Nick Foltz's fault. He threw 17 <laughs> interceptions. It's obviously on the offensive line coaching. Poor ESP. That's the second bullet he's taken. Uh, well, yeah, it's not the first bullet happened, he's taken on really, this podcast. I really try not to. It's just too easy. Do you ever think about moving somewhere else? Like maybe Orlando to go like for Utah? the Magic? Utah, I, maybe? I don't want to go to Mickey Mouse uh, world. Uh, yeah, oh. I... Okay, now we're enemies. <laughs> Gary's a big Disney World guy. He's got a timeshare. Oh, I'm not anti-Disney. I, well, I mean, disclo- I do own some Disney-related uh, properties. We'll say. I own some stock, uh, too. It's doing good. <laughs> it is doing good. Um, yeah, so I don't. It's I didn't set out in my career to just, like, be in Philadelphia forever. But okay. if it works that way, great. Like, it's a great sports town with people who really care about their team. So, okay. with, like... For my job, there's not a lot more you could ask for. But, you know, I wouldn't mind living in L.A. or Miami mm. or somewhere. Oh, Kyle, Kyle Newbeck, back to the New Orleans Pelicans. <laughs> I saw that you covered them for a little bit for Bleacher Report. Man, that was so long. That was back when it was just like, yeah, we'll let you cover whoever. We just need people to, <laughs> we need people to write about this team. Damn now it, where were we? Yeah, was, Back to the New Orleans Pelicans. Why not? New Orleans is beautiful this time of year. Maybe you can cover them. I don't think I'd want to live in New Orleans. I think New Orleans is a good place to visit and not so much to, I, I think if I wanted to live in like a a city that's like true South, I think Atlanta would be fun. That'd be good. Cool. Okay. But I think the fan, like who, nobody cares about the Hawks. Unless, like <laughs> Ronnie James got drafted by them. <laughs> yeah, that's true. How, how terrible is it that the Minnesota Timberwolves just skate by continuing to get number one overall picks? That's so bad. So bad. If that happened in Philadelphia, there would be, and obviously Minnesota didn't have a process, but there would be so many anti-Philadelphia. Like these guys had three number one picks. Anthony Edwards is shooting like 37% from the field right now. He looks like the next Anthony Bennett. It's just like, how unfair is that? And I know it's because they're up north, basically Canada. But if that was the, if that was the Sixers, we would never hear the end of how much of a, a failure of an organization we are. Right. I think the big mistake and the lesson you learn from the process on top of the, you know, not drafting Jaleel Okafor was probably the, the biggest mistake. But the big mistake was basically advertising what you were doing. Mm. I think mm. it was, I think it just got a little too, if they had just been 
a bad team, yeah, it would have sucked and they would have gotten piled on more than, you know, small market franchises. But the fact that it became like a branding thing essentially oh, yeah. for yeah. not just the team, but also like local media pitted it's, against one another. Old school well, the team school. didn't want it at first. The team didn't right. want anything to do with it. Yeah. It was, it's just, so that was Minnesota has sucked and not really on purpose. Like they have made attempts to, I mean, it's also funny that Embiid was like, yeah, I'm the process now. <laughs> your that, I, I love out. the fact that he, they tried to distance themselves from it initially. And, <laughs> and then he's he like, was nope. like, no, I'm your best player. And I want to be identified with it for my entire career. So would you oh, sign up for my plan with the NBA? Just cut 10 teams. I don't know if I cut 10. No, I think they, you could definitely <laughs> cut, you could definitely cut a decent amount though. Like seven. I, I, we meet at the middle at seven, not five. I can't do five. The guy, I need more we'll than five. We'll say six. We'll say six. It's got to be seven. even so we can okay. split it up. We'll say six, but I'm cutting a seventh team and making the blue coats. Like I'm putting them in the NBA because I so think Delaware is do like a, a relegation. Yeah. I mean, games? I'd love every sport should have relegation. That's how it should work. It's, you know, I think, it's an idea that it seems better in theory nonsense. than in practice, especially like I'm a, if you guys can't tell from the scarves in the background, yeah. I'm a big soccer fan. Yeah. Germany really um, let you down last World Cup, huh? Well, you know, they're, they've won one. And that's, Milan. I'm a, I'm my family. I have a lot of families still living in Germany, so I'm not ribbing you. It's my, I, gran- I remember yeah, being my very upset about it. my German family tree back like hundreds of years before he passed. So yeah, who's your EPL uh, team? Liverpool. That's the Ugh. only team I really they're the only team I really root for. I went over when I was 17 and the people there are very similar to Philadelphians in a lot mm. of ways, like big blue collar town. The club is one of the things I really loved uh, uh, independent of the sport was recently they tried to hike ticket prices and the fans like the Sixers the fans revolted to the fact that the club had to go back on it because the fans said, no, we want, you know, average Liverpool citizen to be able to go to a game and be able to afford it. And like, that was, that was really cool. And so like, that's that's a big part of the, the like club ethos is like looking out for one another. Chris Hex knew Philadelphia would never allow that. So. Not I'm not going to say anything bad. We're not blue collar enough. Listen, I had, it's been good to me. I had, Season tickets from the year Ben got drafted till last year, and they hiked those bad boys up $700 after they told me when I got on the phone for the first time, we'll never hike up the – what you have now is what you'll always have. Never change seats, never nothing. Got a little bone to pick. And, it, and I don't like Scott O'Neill. I don't like Chris Heck. You don't have to say anything to this. But, you know, they didn't accept the process. Then they made billions of dollars off the process, and it just doesn't sit comfortably with me. That's no listen, man. There, yeah. There, yeah, there's you no comment. The oh, like I fit. said, Chris Hack's been good to me. Scott, actually, it was funny. The uh, the first time I ever went to the Sixers practice facility, I don't know if I'm, I don't think I'll get in trouble for saying this. Yeah. First time I ever went to the facility, I was still writing for Liberty Ballers, and I was talking to them about, you know, getting access and getting credentials for games or what have you, and like, you know, do a little meet and greet with the mm-hmm. new PR staff. And Dave Schaller, who like heads up their PR team, he's walking me in and Scott O'Neill is walking by at the same time. And Dave goes, hey, Scott, this is Kyle Newbeck from Liberty Ballers, et cetera, et cetera. And Scott just turns and goes, you guys ever going to stop fucking ripping us? I swear (laughs) every day it's some kind of criticism. Well, yeah, you guys (laughs) suck. 
<laughs> yeah, well, but the, the, the funny thing was at the time we were like the pro. Like if you look back, it was like me, yeah. Potner, Hoffman, Mike Levine, like a bunch of mm-hmm. people who have now gone on to do other things. And most of us were like pro what they were doing. But I think it was mostly this happened around the Colangelo stuff. Okay. So it was like we were full force, like, yeah, what the hell is going on here? So I think that was probably the uh, – but Scott and I have since, like, you know, that met and talked and you know, not, a, not, not confrontational at all, at least uh, on my end. Definitely. Um, so last question for you. We uh, have a sponsor. It's uh, Kenwood Beer. Have you ever had a, a, a Kenny? I have not. I've seen it popping up a lot recently, yeah. though. Oh, yeah. I, Seamus, I, I think Seamus is, is a boy of yours. Uh, he's, like, basically, yes, like, is. the brand ambassador, I feel like. So um, grab a Kenwood beer. When you think Philadelphia, when you think the Sixers, when you think the Eagles, it's the most refreshing light beer from Philadelphia. Think Kenny, you think Philadelphia. Uh, last question for you. This is going to be big because we have a, we have a sponsor with PointsBet. So uh, does, M- does Embiid win MVP this year? My guess is no. Like I, I, I think, damn, I and I got polled for uh, Tim Bontemps from ESPN did a straw poll this week. Do I you have was, a vote? Sorry, I do not have a vote currently. I did have a wow. vote in that uh, straw poll that he did. He reached out. Wait, to what, me, I thought so I did. you write about basketball for a living. Why don't you? Have There's a vote? only a certain amount of people who get to vote, and it's good. So what, like Bob Ryan or yeah. right, like Pompey, who's like the full time travel beat writer, yeah. is one of ours. I don't. I think we have a second one, but I don't remember who it is off the top of my head. Um, well, you should have a vote. Like I've in it's the me. straw poll, I voted for Embiid okay. first at this point of the year. I just think there are too many factors working against him. One, I think he's going to miss more games, whether that's with an actual injury or just, you know, normal rest to keep him ready for the playoffs. Two, I think the narrative stuff is going to be tough for him, mostly because I'm looking down the road and thinking, you know, this might be the last LeBron run at an MVP. Mm. And, you know, this stuff shouldn't play into it. But there will be media members who look at it and yeah. say, like, I got it. Like, LeBron gets the career achievement yeah. MVP. And, like, LeBron is a worthy MVP candidate. I'm not taking away. He's a favorite right now, yeah. This year. Right. But I just think that that's where I would imagine it goes eventually because the Lakers are coming off a title. He's playing great. They are playing great. Um, and I think it's going to be tough to, to beat him. But we'll see. I think Joel – he has a great chance at it if he plays enough games. And even if he dips in production a little bit, as long as they keep winning, he's going to be right there at the end. All right. Well, there you have it. I still think Embiid wins if they get first in the conference. We'll see. Yeah. I'm waiting for my credentials in the mail. Yeah. But uh, (laughs) you know who it is. It's Kyle Newbeck from the Philly voice. Go read everything he writes. Be nice and to him when you see him at the bar. Like Kyle does. Yeah, steal yeah. all his opinions. Sound smart in front of your friends. I literally just regurgitate everything. Uh, so I appreciate that. Your one uh, coach's blog you wrote in the summertime, I just said I wanted everybody from your blog that you wanted. So <laughs> I appreciate that. Well, they actually got multiple people from that blog. It was, I, I think, Jaeger and Cassell were both options that I wrote about. And then they're now assistants on Doc Rivers' staff. So see? technically, you, you, you got part of your wish anyway. Yeah. Definitely. So perfect. So there you go. He's uh, he can tell the future. So go read Kyle Newbeck stuff at Philly voice, follow him on Twitter. And uh, thanks so much for coming on, man. We really appreciate it. Thanks for having me guys. All right. The Winter Boys podcast was created and hosted by Gary Lay and Kyle Pagan. 
with contributions from Jason Green, executive producer John Barchard, and our theme song is Telescope by the Pine Bears.